This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL hockey pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host, as always, is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at AJScholes24. That's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z-2-4. Now, AJ, uh, welcome to the show, obviously. Uh, we'll start off with that, and uh, tell me what's new in your parts. Have, have you uh, seen much snow yet uh, this year? Uh, we got a little dusting down here in uh, in Wisconsin, but uh, not uh, not anything that's going to stick. So uh, the cold weather is definitely around for a while, it seems like. But uh, yeah, excited for you know the hockey season's over a month in now. Uh, the high school hockey season's starting up, so I'm oh. entering my fifth year of coaching over there. So seems like only yesterday I just started out, but uh, yeah, should be good. Team looks good. Uh, should be a good year for us. Good for you. I didn't know that about you. I uh, hung up my skates a while ago. I coached for about 11 or 12 years, my son and my daughter, through uh, house league and rep hockey years. And uh, But that's a few years in the rearview mirror now. Um, maybe I'm looking for another thing to do uh, related to hockey down the road, uh, hopefully uh, in the near future. Um, AJ, though, in terms of uh, the the recent past and maybe distant past in some of the cases, another Hockey Hall of Fame induction ceremony took place here in Toronto last night, and it was a pretty heavy-duty class. And I'd like to go through uh, the the players and the builders and the other honorees with you before we get right into the rest of our show. So we can begin by, begin by talking about uh, arguably the greatest hockey goalie ever in Martin Brodeur. Your impressions of Marty's career. Yeah, I mean, just absolutely outstanding. I, I think what, uh, you know, what separated Brodeur from, from a lot of other guys is uh, he was, I felt like at least, he was more positionally sound uh, than a lot of other netminders that, that maybe have have racked up the wins. I, I could contrast him a lot of times with uh, Dominic Hasek. Like, two guys found their ways to win, like solid in goal, but just so completely different in their style. And that's not to say Marty Brodeur couldn't make a uh, dynamic save from time to time, but it just wasn't, I think, his real big MO. Uh, and really, uh, if I was teaching a, a young goalie who to mimic, it would definitely be Martin Brodeur over Dominic Hasek. Not too many guys are going to flail about and, and 
put a pad on the puck uh, while on their back. So, uh, but yeah, definitely great to watch. Uh, and an awesome career. Yeah, it was. And when you start looking at some of the lifetime totals, 125 shutouts and, and a win total that was far and away the highest among all NHL goalies in history. I mean, he lapped the field in, in, in these categories. It's almost like the, way, the gap that Wayne Gretzky has in, some, in terms of some of the lifetime stats. And then in terms of his style, it was kind of a mix between a stand-up and a, and a, and a drop-down goalie. It was a kind of a hybrid kind of a posture that he took where he was ready to go up or down at a, uh, in the in a heartbeat and that got him uh, in front of a, a lot more pucks than other goalies but he also benefited from the fact that his team uh, for the bulk of his career the the devils they played a really defensive oriented style of play where they limited shots on goals so that had a little bit of a part to play but you can't knock the fact that he had eight 40 win seasons and won at least 30 games for 12 straight years that's a remarkable string and then you're talking about all the cups the Vezinas and the rookie of the year the jennings trophies and all the international success that he enjoyed so uh, no question uh, a lock uh, in the first year of his eligibility. We go to the women's side, uh, AJ, for the next uh, honoree. That's Jaina Hefford. Her uh, career in- included four Olympic gold medals and seven golds at the International Ice Hockey World Championships. And she sits third in scoring and games played for the national women's team in this country. And her final goal against the United States was an eventual gold winning, gold medal winning tally at the 2002 Winter Games in Salt Lake City. So quite a distinguished career for her. And it's kind of neat for me to see the women getting recognized because that game is growing by leaps and bounds every year, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I I really appreciate that, uh, you know, that it's not it's a hockey Hall of Fame. It's not an NHL Hall of Fame. Um, And so I really appreciate that as well. You know, um, you you mentioned a ton of stats tied for second all time in Olympic scoring with 30 points as well. Um, My my only regret is that she was born in Canada, not in the U.S. (laughs) and couldn't play for a couple of our teams, but uh, an outstanding player uh, all the way around. And uh, up next, another NHL great, uh, another lock uh, when you look at his numbers, Marty St. Louis. And you consider the fact that he was undrafted uh, as, a, as a teenager before he started his career. And he was snubbed initially in the Olympic uh, team set up early in his career. But he didn't uh, let those setbacks get in the way of a great career that included a scoring title, a Stanley Cup, Hart Trophy, uh, great work in the playoffs. He tallied over a thousand points, almost just shy of a point per game player in his career. And then also in the playoffs, 90 points in 107 of those contests. So you combine that with this Olympic gold medal, and you, you know it's an easy case to be made for a guy who really kind of turned the page on the big size matters concept in the NHL. That there's room for smallish players, and he kind of led that charge over the last 25 years. Yeah, you mentioned the size thing. That that's a I think a huge factor in why uh, he didn't get drafted coming out of the University of Vermont. Just five eight. Uh, I mean, I, I'm taller than that. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, completely just a guy that worked his way uh, into uh, you know into an NHL career. Just wouldn't let go. Uh, I, I think the Calgary Flames probably regret not keeping him around a little bit longer. Uh, had a great career primarily with the Lightning dabble with the rangers towards the end there but uh yeah just uh, great to see this is another one like you know just it doesn't have to there's not a prototypical style for an nhl or at least there doesn't have to be um if a guy's got talent if he can skate if he's fast there, there's ways to break into the league and i think it's important to 
to recognize that and remember that, uh, you know, when we're evaluating younger players. And then uh, the last skater that made the grade uh, last night was Alexander Yakushev. Now, AJ, this guy, I remember him from when I was a kid, and uh, and the Russians were trotting out these super teams, and uh, they finally got to play against the NHL pros in 1972. And one look at this guy, and you realized, man, he could be an NHL player. He was a big, strong guy, a big shot, and he was the top scorer in the Russian team in that uh, remarkable eight-game summit series in 1972. He got uh, two Olympic gold medals, seven gold medals at the Worlds, and uh, was inducted into the International Ice Hockey Hall of Fame way back in 2002. So a full value for him. Yet another Russian hockey icon who makes the grade in the, in the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, I admittedly, uh, you know, that was kind of before my time, before my era, so admittedly didn't know uh, a ton uh, about him but uh yeah it's kind of unfortunate that he really never got <clears throat> because of the you know uh you know what was going on in the world uh during that time it's it's unfortunate he never really got a chance to come over and play uh in the nhl i, I think he would have had a phenomenal career yeah no question you know and, and now the the curtain is drawn back and all the european stars that uh, people go and scout even the undrafted players that make the grade uh, year after year it's it's uh, a real revelation to me so uh, credit to people like yakachev for drawing attention to the skills that are available in players across the pond it's not just north american types that that can play this game and it's a world game and i, I love the fact that we get the best players in the world to play in the nhl right now uh it wasn't uh, just the players class that uh, brought no- notoriety to the, the inductees last night Gary Bettman, the current commissioner, he's been on the job for 25 years. I didn't realize it was that many, AJ, but he's presided over a lot of ups and downs in NHL, and this is one that I have a bit of a question mark in terms of putting him in already. I'd like to have seen them, the league wait until his career was over, but uh, they saw fit to induct him, and you know, you got to like the fact that he's done a lot of good for the league. It's uh, The business model has grown by leaps and bounds under his his guidance. The league's expanded successfully under his guidance. The TV rights deals are better than ever, and uh, everybody's making a lot of money, and it's largely under his watch, so uh, that's, I guess, uh, the case for Gary Bettman. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for sure... Uh, everything he's done over the last couple of years uh, warrants him being in the Hall of Fame in, in that builder category. I, I th- certainly think he's deserving, but I agree. I, I feel like it's too soon. Um, the fact that he's still on the job, honestly, I feel like it should have been the same thing with players, right? We have to wait five years until a player is eligible. Should be the same uh, for other guys as well, uh, at least in the builder category. Maybe a few other spots, uh, not so important, but uh, especially with the impending like labor concerns right around the corner, it, it, it just feels too soon to me. Um, a, a warranted nod in, into the Hall of Fame, I think he's absolutely deserving, um, but yeah, just too soon. And then. Uh a really interesting pick, an interesting character, Willie O'Ree, the, the, the fellow that's the Jackie Robinson of hockey, you can say. He played uh, 45 games in the NHL and broke the color barrier way back in 1958. He's now 83 years old. He's still employed by the league as their NHL uh, diversity ambassador and hockey is for everyone program. So he's just been around hockey for over 60 years, as you said last night, and he's helped to introduce over 120,000 kids to the game of hockey over his, during his time, and he's had a, a hand in establishing many, many grassroots programs, almost 40 of them, uh, for disadvantaged youth, youth around North America. So what he's done on and off the ice to 
to make uh, hockey a, a men accessible to a diversity of uh, backgrounds is, uh, is his calling card and, and really uh, long overdue to get this man into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Yeah, I absolutely agree. We were talking about Bateman being too soon. I think Willie O'Ree uh, is too too late, to be honest. Um, uh, I think he probably should have been earlier for everything uh, that that he achieved in in his career. And you know, you you look at the NHL numbers; it's it's just forty five games. But if you look at uh, what he did at at other leagues, um, had a very long career, played for for a really long time, had pretty decent. Uh, scoring numbers, you know, point per game in a couple of seasons playing in uh, the old WHL. Uh, and so, yeah, just a, a great all around career, maybe not quite uh, spent mostly, at, you know, at the minor levels. But, uh, yeah, really a, a fantastic player and, and well-deserved. And then, AJ, quickly, I'll just add that there was a writer inducted, Larry Brooks. Uh, people will remember the clip that he had a bit of a uh, squabble with John Tortorella years ago covering the Rangers that was well documented but he's well much more well known for the quality of the work that he's done in over 20 years in the business covering the New York area hockey beat a busy beat no question and Larry Brooks the most prominent writer in that area had done an excellent job in his career in that regard and the same can be said in the broadcasting category the winner of the Foster Hewitt award uh, nomination is Joe Bowen the radio voice of the Maple Leafs for the past 30 years he's become synonymous with uh, Maple Leaf ho hockey broadcasts on the radio he did some TV work over the years too but is most well known for what he's done on the radio scene so that's the graduating class for the hockey hall of fame and uh, aj any remaining thoughts from you i'll just say anybody who you know gets under john tortorella's skin is is a-okay in my book uh <laughs> so, uh prop, props to both those guys uh for everything they've you know achieved uh in in the hockey realm so uh before we kick off the rest of the show i'll do my usual reminder uh, to our listeners that throughout the week if you have questions about your lineups fantasy hockey or just hockey in general you can tweet at us we'll try and answer those uh, throughout the week or perhaps during one of our shows uh, as paul mentioned you can follow me at aj shoals 24 and you can follow paul the statsman at statsman 22 all right partner we go into the 31 teams and what they look like this week uh, for again anaheim they're a game under 500 they went one and two last week Pontus Aberg, I'll continue to say Pontus as long as he's scoring five goals in seven games, and that total is tying him for the team lead with uh, Jakob Silverberg right now, but only five goals year-to-date. That tells you something. This team has been otherwise goal-starved since the start of their season. Ryan Getzlaff, who missed some of the early going, has done his part, though, lately with three goals and five helpers in his last seven games, so things might be looking up for one of the top teams in the, in the Western Conference that I think should be there at the end of the season. John Gibson's off to a finer start as the team has its defensive game in order at the very least. The team goals against is at 281, which is a little bit high, but you've got to factor in the fact that there's five empty net goals in that mix, so it's a lot more, uh, a lot lower than that when you think about what the individual goalies have done. And so off to a pretty good start defensively. The offense needs to catch up here. Yeah, absolutely. And you got to feel for, for Patrick Eves. Uh, missed another game due to injury. Now they're calling it upper body um, you know, without any additional details, just kind of speculating, I, I really hope it's not the shoulder um, becoming an issue again that obviously kept him out uh, for the first month of the season. So hopefully that's, you know, not not the case. Hopefully it's something else that will be short term. Um, but you've got Corey Perry still out, Maxime Comtois dealing with an injury as well. So uh, not not a lot of guys to to produce um, right now. 
they're really kind of stretched thin there. And, you know, I almost have to wonder if, if Ryan Miller might not be uh, an option for, for teams to kind of buy a one year uh, kind of backup, you know, the, the obvious team that I'm thinking of is, is my own in Pittsburgh. They're bringing in a veteran like Ryan Miller to kind of stabilize the situation, help uh, a young goalie who's clearly going through some problems. Uh, there's other teams that could use him too. So maybe uh, Anaheim could consider flipping him uh, somewhere and, and getting some return in, in terms of like a, a scorer to add to their lineup. Listen to you, the advanced scout for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now you're adding that to your <laughs> resume. Holy cow. Uh, in Arizona, this team is still above 500. They were 1-1-1 last week. They have scored a remarkable nine shorthanded goals. You don't want to take take your team on the power play against this this team. They're, <laughs> they've given up nine power play goals and nine shorthanded goals, so they're even when they drop uh, down a man. That's a rem- remarkable stat this late into the season. Credit goes to Michael Grabner and Brad Richardson there who have three of those shorties each, so good value in terms of uh, DFS play if you pick those guys on those game nights. Uh, offensively they are also led by Clayton Keller continuing to be a scoring leader here he's got six points in his last eight games all he's done since he's come into the league is score on a regular basis so if you're looking for a consistent score source of scoring he's one guy another guy that you might look at is Derek Stepan and he has even though he was in uh, the Rangers situation a much more favorable one when he was there he hasn't dropped off at all and still looks like a guy who will round out his season in the 50 to 59 point scoring range based on what he's done so far and he's on a pretty good tear recently with four goals in his last seven games i don't want to take anything away nine shorthanded goals is impressive but let's not forget one of those was that ridiculous goal against ottawa that derek stepan scored from the far blue line uh (laughs) that saw mike condon shipped down to the minors because of it so really let's call it eight impressive shorthanded goals (laughs) and one kind of ridiculous disaster um from there but yeah the team is doing well i i'm questioning uh if they're going to be able to hold up uh, with anti-ranta sideline darcy kemper is just one two and one uh as the starter here with a 3.5 goals against average. So uh, he had a good game against Washington, uh, his most recent time out. So perhaps he's starting to find it. But the three games before that gave up at least four goals in each of those three outings. So there's definitely some concerns in uh, in between the Nets for Arizona. Well, uh, the Boston Bruins sit at a 10-5-2 record. 2-1 and one last week. Uh, despite some injuries on the blue line, they continue to roll along largely on the strength of the big line, continuing to score as the top trio in the league. Uh, at a pretty much a record-breaking pace right now. Behind them, Joaquin Nordstrom has moved up to the left wing two slot uh, in a bit of a surprise move to me, considering some of the options they have there. But he's responded with two points in his last three games, including 12 shots on goal in his last four. So he's he's looking busy and being active, and that's the kind of activity that you want to see from a guy who's getting a shot in the second line. The troubling news here, though, is in the Nets. Tuka Rask has had to leave the team for personal reasons, and he hasn't really had a good start to his year. You wonder what's going on in the background there. Not too much known right now, AJ. But Yaroslav Halak has certainly outplayed the presumptive starter year-to-date. The long-term outlook here, though, bears watching because... uh, Uh, Halak is getting up there in years and uh, I don't know what happens if he breaks down they might be in some real trouble in the nets yeah I mean the other concern here is the number of shots that he's seeing Uh, you look at you know 
in in three of his last four outings he saw 40 or more shots uh and so he's facing a heavy workload too on on top of having kind of taken over now so far as you mentioned he's held up well a 6-1 and 2 record pair of shutouts there goals against average is currently sitting at a career best 1.77 so we'll see uh if he can hold up uh so far so good for them though um you know and that's that's impressive too the fact that they have such a banged up blue line right now too uh the you know you've got Vekanen is out Charlie McAvoy's been out Brandon Carlo's dinged up Kevin Miller's been sidelined for most of the year and so uh you're really uh kind of dealing with some younger guys right now and and they've been able to hold it down um that does contribute to another number of shots he's seeing but um I think it's it's definitely impressive on his part in Buffalo, the Sabres are, were 2-0 and last week. And an interesting note here is Evan Rodriguez has been moved up to the second center role. A bit of a surprise for me. Uh, he came off the injured list four games ago, and he has only two assists despite 13 shots on goal in that span. You wonder if this is a short-term situation or he gets a longer look. Vladimir Sabotka, who spent some time in the middle but has thrived on the wing, he's, he's really enjoying being on the lec- uh, second line right now on the sec- left-wing spot. Uh, he has uh, snapped a seven-game points drought with three points in his last four games, so he's kind of loving life right now in Buffalo. After a quiet, very quiet start, though, the top NHL draft pick is a guy that we've been watching. Rasmus Dahlin might be starting to find his groove, AJ. He has three points in his last four games. I expect more, much, much more offense than what he's shown year-to-date, but it could be some growing pains here, and uh, people that own him should be re- reminded to stash him because he was uh, head and shoulders ahead of every other draft-eligible player in the, in the rankings, and uh, it won't be long before he shows it, I don't think. Well, for a while there, Jason Pominville playing on that top line with Skinner and Eichel was pretty much uh, a daily fantasy lock. His price tag was super low. He was racking up points. He had, you know, uh, looks like four uh, multi-point games in in seven outings for a total of 13 points in those. Um, But he's getting bumped off that line, has just one assist in the last three. Uh, And so for me, I might take a look at Sam Reinhardt. Now, his numbers... Uh, have been solid as well of late. He's got six points in his last four games, uh, and he's going to get to play with Eichel and Skinner. And I, I think his salary probably doesn't reflect his recent production or his bump up there. So definitely a player to to target now. In Calgary, the Flames are surprising three games over 500 despite going one and two last week, AJ. And for me, Sean Monaghan looks like he's making a bit to be rated among the top young centers in the league, scoring at better than a point per game. This is a guy you don't overlook uh, when he's playing like this, a big rangy guy, the, the type of center that most teams really crave in that role. And he's firing at a career best pace right now. We've talked a little bit about James Neal. He's finally been promoted up to a second scoring line role in recent games in an effort to shake off a very slow start. I wonder if that gets him going. But speaking of slow starts, I I touted TJ Brody rather heavily before the season started, and he's really let me down with only four assists in 18 games played. He's lost power play time right now. He might rate as a buy-low candidate for teams looking for offensive help on the D because it certainly looks like the Flames have given up on this guy who was perennially a fellow who you could, who you could count on to get 35 to 45 points from the defense position. Well, you mentioned James Neal. Uh, I after last week's show when I said that uh, the Golden Knights weren't quite as good as they were last season. Uh, friend of the show and, and Knights fanatic Daniel Negreanu got on me a little bit about James Neal's particularly, and then of course 
after I defend Neil, he goes out and in his last game, they bench him for uh, the third period plays just eight Oh three of ice time. Uh, and so obviously uh, I missed the mark on that one. Uh, you know, nod to, to Daniel there for, for getting that call. Right. Um, but yeah, so Neil just doesn't seem like he fits in, in Calgary. And honestly, at the start of the season, I, it felt like a bad move to me. Um, I don't know what other offers he had. May, you know, maybe Vegas staying in Vegas may not have been an option, but of, you know, the number of teams, I, I have to imagine Calgary wasn't the only club looking to sign him. And it just felt like an odd fit to me um, in the off season. And it really looks like it hasn't panned out. I mean, this, this is a guy that has four points in 18 games. It looks like he may uh, not hit the 40 point mark, which he's done each of the last three seasons uh, and, and could seriously be in trouble of also missing the 20 goal threshold, which is something he's hit almost every year uh, of his career. In fact, it, he has hit at least 20 goals in every single season. So uh, that's another mark that he may miss out and just uh, maybe they need to move him uh, or he needs to at least ask for a trade to, to head somewhere where they can utilize him a little bit differently and, and hopefully get him going. Well, Carolina is probably not one of those destinations because they've got things in order in their top six right now. They went 1-0-1 last week, and I like what I'm seeing uh, offensively from a blue liner there, Jack, Jacob Slavin. He's now partnered with Dougie Hamilton, and he leads the team in average ice time per game. He's got nine points, some power, lots of power play time, but he needs to improve on a team worst minus nine, kind of letting them down in their own end a little bit. A three-man goalie battle is never a good sign here. No one's really grabbing that role. I'm a little bit disappointed in uh, Scott Darling particularly here. He had a good night last night, though. Uh, Peter Mrazek has missed the last four games with a lower body injury, and uh, Curtis McElhinney, a career backup, may have played the best of the three of them so far yeah i mean i do think you have to consider that darling was uh out for the start of the season his first two games back uh weren't uh you know necessarily very good outings by any stretch of the imagination but uh in his last three uh he's got uh, uh hasn't lost in regulation has two wins and an overtime loss still given up you know just uh you know about uh, it's a 2.58 goals against average. So not outrageous, not stellar either way, but you know, they, they finally have some offense in Carolina. It's something that we haven't said a lot about them in the last couple of years. So if they can get at least, you know, decent goaltending, uh, out of darling, uh, for the rest of the season, they definitely could be uh, a playoff team here. Uh, Chicago Blackhawks, they're st- struggling aj we thought they might there are two games under 500 they they lost in overtime last night they lost two games outright last week and so that's led to a lot of line juggling and leads us to highlight uh, schmaltz up there on the top line who will line up left wing next to taves and kane that makes him a must play and must look at he probably will be cheaper than the average left winger uh, particularly first liner so keep an eye on that situation rookie alexander fortan moves up to left wing number two spot next to Artemon Anisimov, and uh, that's a, that's another situation to look at to see if the youngster can take advantage of his playmaking center. John Hayden, who has struggled to score regularly while playing fourth line minutes to date, now moves up to the right wing two slot, so they're really revamping things in their top six players, and you might get some cheap value there playing with some pretty good pivots, so it might be worth a look to, to round out your roster uh, cheaply. In terms of the Nets, Corey Crawford has allowed 20 goals in his last five starts before last night's games. He needs to be much better than that going forward. That's that's just 
too many goals against and uh, this team probably doesn't have the offense to keep up with that pace so uh, they got to get the defensive side of the puck right too yeah, I think we're going to see a, a ton of line shuffling in, in the next couple of weeks here as, as their new coach kind of figures everything out. And obviously, Brandon Saad uh, being out factors in there as well. Uh, without him in the lineup, you know, you have to make uh, some changes to that top six. So it looks like they potentially will have him back for their next game. Uh, you know, was kind of a, a game time decision last night. Didn't end up playing. Um, but should hopefully return soon. So uh, that is definitely a good sign for them. But yeah, I expect to see a lot of moving parts, a lot of shuffling uh, as as the you know their new coach kind of figures out how he wants to to stack this lineup. Well, and Colorado's a team that really turned a corner last year, and they've continued that pace. They were one and two last week, but they're two games above 500 before last night's action. Like Boston, that first line has been humming along, one of the best in the league. But Alex Kerfoot, for me, is a guy worth noting. He's anchoring the second unit, and he's got six points in his last five games, so it's a pretty good run for him. Colin Wilson has been productive as his right winger, uh, so I'm going to keep an eye on that that pairing. But also, Sheldon Drees rounds out that unit, and uh, he picked up his first three points as a pro in uh, over the last five games and uh, he'll be really cheap in, in the dfs play and if you like the way colorado's scoring might be a good guy to take a look at you uh, aj i give you credit for highlighting samuel gerard last year as a future contributor to this blue line well the future might be here because he's picked up four points in his last seven games he's playing top four minutes on the blue line and really has a lot of offensive skills to his game so a pretty good situation for him as he grows with this team yeah, and I think he's paired up, uh, you know, really well with Ian Cole. Uh, you know, Cole can uh, add some offensive element to his game, but he's much more of a defensive-minded player. Uh, his ceiling's probably right around 20 points uh, more often than not. But I think he'll pair up really well uh, with Gerard, add a little bit of a veteran presence uh, to, to play with him. And, and really, I think it's a great kind of duo they have there. Um Long term, I, I do worry about this team's depth, uh, especially with Andrew Ghetto uh, sidelined, uh, you know, due to his lower body issues. So, uh, you know, that that top line keeps producing. And so far, it hasn't been a problem. But I, I do have serious questions about the depth of this team as we get into the, you know, the meat of an 82 game season. The Columbus Blue Jackets won a game last night by the score of 2-1, to one, and uh, when you know that, the, that they have Sergei Bobrovsky in the Nets, that shouldn't surprise. But he did have a very slow start this season, AJ. He's got his game in order. He's cut fire in the Nets, allowing now only nine goals against in his last six starts, finally uh, putting that sluggish start well into the rearview mirror. In terms of the rest of the roster, I like the fact that Ryan Murray has taken advantage of first deep parent pair of minutes next to Seth Jones who's really evolving into the one or one of the best all-around defensemen in the game and uh, it looks like Murray's on the on his way to his career best offensive season with eight points already in 17 games up front Brandon Dubinsky has been back for a few games now and I think once he gets a few more reps he'll certainly threaten to move up from his current fourth line role that's a player to watch for me because he's been a, a good playmaker over his career and there's enough wingers that he can partner with that he could produce more offense than he's shown in the recent past and right now he's a cheap value i think he could be had yeah the thing about this lineup that that is really nice for for dfs is uh there none of them have a kind of outrageous salaries i think panarin's probably your highest price guy uh in in daily contests here but you know atkinson dubois 
Wierenski as as a or Murray as a contrarian play to Seth Jones don't uh, you know they're not going to cost you a ton uh, over on FanDuel, but they do still offer you know decent uh, decent offensive production, especially in the last couple of games. You know Dubois has uh, three points in his last two games. Atkinson same thing, two goals and an assist uh, or two uh, three points in his last. Uh, two games as well so some guys to be had here for for really cheap over in dallas is a team that surprised me year to date so far they're three games above 500 uh, after two games over 500 after losing last night uh, but good news for them alexander radiloff returned to their lineup and he picked up their only goal in a 2-1 loss to Col- columbus uh, he's reunited, of course, with Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn, uh, another top unit that is really top-heavy uh, in this lineup. And it's really good for them to see Valery Nichushkin finally chipping in a little bit of offense, three points in his last five games, showing his first sign of life in a long time as a top six forward. He's going to have to continue to do that to hold on to that spot, though. They've been waiting for him on a, a long while. A tough loss on the blue line here, though, recently as John Klingberg is out with a hand injury. He'll miss the next four weeks. That's a killer for this defense because after him, it really drops down in terms of offensive skills. Julius Honka and Steven Johns, neither one noted for that side of the game. They're top pairing uh, right now and candidates for power play time, but I'm not really expecting much from either one of those guys. Are you? No, I mean, you've got Johns who hasn't played at all yet this season. He's dealing with, uh, I think, what they call post-traumatic like post-traumatic concussion symptoms. It's something like that. It's, it's not a concussion, um, but it's kind of those, those similar symptoms. They've got Connor Carrick is on IR too. Mark Mathot's banged up. So they're really stretched, uh, on that blue line as far as, uh, you know, putting together an experienced team on the ice. I mean, you look at their third pairing now, it's Benjamin Gleason and Joel Hanley. Uh, I'd be shocked if most of our listeners knew who either of those guys were before this season. Uh, So, yeah, just a really, really thin group right now uh, and not going to offer much uh, in terms of scoring there. And in the Detroit situation, I want to highlight Andreas Athanasiu. There's a mouthful, AJ. Uh, (laughs) Athanasiu's return from the injury ward, picking up four points in his last two games. Uh, This guy has a lot of offensive skills, and he's finally starting to show them. He's formed a nice partnership with Franz Nielsen, who's a pretty solid playmaking center there. Uh, Another depth forward, Justin Applicator, a rare older piece on this club, is back in top form and good health, finally. And his bo- big body presence is useful on the power play. He's got four goals in his last seven games. And with the extra man on the ice, he'll be out there a lot. And, and that front presence uh, might be a good pick if you're looking at the Wings roster. In the Nets, Jimmy Howard has four wins in his last four starts, allowing a total of 10 goals against in that span. I mean, a couple of years ago, we were looking at this guy as a big contract that was a bad contract at AJ, But he's been playing very well the last year and a half and uh, might be uh, making people forget about the money side of it, but uh, he's got to do more than uh, more than the average goalie to keep this team in contention game in, game out. He's enjoying a pretty nice run, though, right now. Yeah, and one guy that, that hasn't uh, been... You know, doing quite as well lately as Dennis Chola Whiskey. Uh, you know, we we talked about the fact when Mike Green came back, uh, he wasn't going to get kind of the same assignments. You know, his minutes have dropped off uh, since Mike Green was back in the lineup, down to just 19.23 per game in his last eight outings, just three assists over that stretch, including 
his most recent four uh, four game pointless streak. Still seeing power play ice time, but he's down. Uh, you know, for the most part, uh, they are still using him on the top unit with Green. But I have to imagine at some point he might get bounced to the second unit here. Uh, as they, you know, give a different look there, especially if they're struggling to produce and, you know, high on this guy at the start of the season. But as we said, with Mike Greenback, it just hasn't been the same. Well, and talk about a guy who hasn't been the same since he played over 70 games a couple of years ago. Cam Talbot in Edmonton really slumping last year, and it continues this season. He's allowed 14 goals against in his last four starts, while the backup Koskinen has been solid in three of his last four. I wonder if there's a bit of a goalie controversy brewing here. Uh, up front, Ty Raddy's come off the IR with a flourish, scoring two points in three games, and he's uh, back up with Connor McDavid's line, so could be a good value play there based on uh, the neighborhood that he's residing in. Tobias Ryder is a guy that we've uh, talked about in terms of having good offensive skills and being presented with good offensive opportunities. He's looking on the verge of losing his left wing two role. He has no goals and seven points year to date, so watch out for him to, to fall down the roster if he doesn't get it going soon. On the blue line, Oscar Clefbaum looks like he's regaining a good offensive form, though, that may challenge his career best of 38 points uh, in his best year. In a surprising turn, though, this past week, a couple of uh, younger prospects, Yamamoto and Puglia have been sent to the minors. Both uh, have been uh, the subject of high hopes for a while in Edmonton. Not doing much, though, right now, and that's, uh, that's a strong message being sent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those guys will... The upside is they'll play significantly more minutes uh, in the minors than they would have, you know, with Edmonton. Uh, and based on practice yesterday, it looks like, you know, they're going to shuffle things up a bunch. Leon Dreisaitl, uh appears set to move up to McDavid's line to play with him. Uh, Drake Kajulia on the other side. And that means Ryan Nugent Hopkins is moving back to center in the second line role. I've been high on Nugent Hopkins all season long, um, but he's been playing with McDavid on that top line. And so I'm, I'm definitely cooling on him and we'll probably look to Leon Dreisaitl instead, uh, especially um, with, with if those lines hold for, for their next game. Well, the Florida Panthers situation is looking up after going 3-0 and last week, outscoring opponents 13-3. to Big part of that is the return of Roberto Luongo. He's now allowed only five goals against in his last three games played since coming off the IR. James Reimer even looked good in turning aside 34 of 35 shots in his own only start last week, too. So maybe sharing this load is probably best for this team but a quandary for fantasy owners because you got to really know who's starting game in, game out in DFS play. And in terms of season long, boy, uh, you, if you handcuff them, that's, that's probably the best option. Uh, I'd hate to have one only. Up front, Alex Barkov is uh, among the top forwards in the league in ice time per game, and yet I find he's underrated, AJ, as his scoring clip is again right around a point per game. You don't, but you don't hear this guy mentioned among the top forwards in hockey. It's just that he plays so much right now that uh, you've got to take a look at him in DFS play because he's, he's on the ice in all key situations, playing those first line minutes, and he's scoring at a pretty good rate. We've talked a lot about Scott Bugstead, one of my fantasy uh, darlings, I'll say, over the last couple of years. Still only logging third-line minutes here, but he's making a bid, a bid for more with five points in his last seven games, so I'm happy to see that for him. Yeah, I definitely think uh, Frank Vetrano should be uh, kind of looking over his shoulder at, at Bugstad to, to see um, if he'll potentially flip uh, him and take over some of those minutes. One guy who doesn't have to be looking over his shoulder right now is Mike Hoffman. Uh, he has been on a tear, especially since moving up to, to that top line. Just didn't work out well to have him in that kind of depth 
uh, scoring position, but he's got 14 points in his last 12 games. Five of those have been on the power play as well and putting a ton of shots on net, 42 shots over that stretch. Uh, so really um, a great guy to have in, in all formats right now. And a team that's really struggling in all formats is the Los Angeles Kings, AJ. They're five <laughs> games under 500 right now. They face the Leafs tonight, so I'm looking for a W for the visitors uh, in that one. But the news has gone from very bad to worse after this club revealed that goalie Jack Campbell has been sidelined for four to six weeks with a torn meniscus. That means that 36-year-old Peter Budai will take the reins as the presumptive starter and Cal Peterson up for the minors to be the backup. Both these guys are total stopgap options, and I would steer clear of them in DFS play. Uh, Peterson, for his part, has even struggled in the AHL this year, and Budai has paid, played very sparingly over the last two years, so a big, big hole in the nets. That said, watch Budai get a shutout against the Leafs. Why, why, why did I even say that? <laughs> uh, Budai, for his part, is a career backup near the end of the line, in my estimation. This pop-gun offense not helping matters either, as they barely scored two goals a game. Consider that it's so bad here that Anze Kopitar, arguably one of the top two-way pivots in hockey, only six points in 16 games played. One guy who's bucked the trend is Dustin Brown with five points in his last six, his six games, so I ended on a positive note for a team that really hasn't had too many positive notes this season. Yeah, the goalie situation really uh, ultimately is going to sink this team. Uh, they just haven't been able to produce offensively, but it wasn't a huge concern. Now, granted, they weren't playing great, but you know when you've got Jonathan Quick in the nets, it, it really doesn't matter, to be honest with you, how much you can score that guy does so well when he's healthy but uh him out campbell was filling in admirably and, and really looked to be having a, a good year but peter budai uh, is certainly not a number one netminder and, and cal peterson is uh really an untested option there as well to serve as a backup so uh, i i think all things have have turned south for this club you know expectations were high after getting you know Ilya kovachuk comes back it's going to be this great season uh, and it really hasn't panned out and and honestly at this point i think there's a number of guys who could be moved ahead of the trade deadline here uh, as they try and rebuild uh and 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 build through you know through making some moves here and the Minnesota, a team that's really made some moves early on in the season, they're on fire to start the year. And it's a rare sight here, a completely healthy roster. Not even a nosebleed or a hangnails report on this <laughs> on this group, AJ. And one of the big beneficiaries is Devin Dubnik and Nett sporting a sparkling 213 goals against in 13 games. But two four spots in the last five starts might be a bit of a concern if it continues in the future we'll keep an eye on that but everything seems to be in order otherwise i touted ryan Suter in preseason as an unsung top d option well the guy's got 13 points in 17 games played for a career best pace while playing over 26 minutes once again ranking among the league leaders in playing time so if you've got him you you listened very well and if you didn't well too bad for you this guy's a stud uh, in terms of other players, after a sluggish start, Nino Niederreiter, a guy that I was, I've been high on, he's uh, got seven points in his last ten games, now playing first-line right-wing minutes. Charlie Coyle is another guy, who, a veteran who started slowly, but he's now pushing for top six minutes as well. So the news is pretty positive here in Minnesota, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the one guy I think, you know, I, I, I talked about him last week, and he's still performing up to snuff, so I'll mention him again. Uh, Jordan Greenway. 
since getting sent down to to the minors for that brief stint five points in seven games yes he's playing in a third line role but uh, they've been pretty fluid with him and trying to give him other looks so he certainly could factor uh, in the top six and if you did miss out on sitter and and if you don't have Matthew Dumba don't sleep on Jared Spurgeon Uh, this is another guy that kind of falls under the radar with the two guys ahead of him there but he's got 10 points in 17 games is seeing over two minutes uh, per game uh, on the power play has just one power play assist to show for it. But I, I think that'll come as he continues to, you know, log big minutes, uh, you know, with the man advantage there in Montreal, this team is still above 500, well above 500 They're two, one and one in the past week. And uh, I say hats off to Thomas Tatar, who's second in team scoring with 15 points so far. I didn't see that coming at all, but he and Ty and Max Domi have found a quick chemistry and it doesn't matter really who he's played with on the top six line. He's moved up and down the first and second line. It's working for Tatar. I'm surprised by that. The Habs, in fact, have a very new look in the top six, mixing their uh, their lineup up a little bit to spread the scoring around. Uh, Dano has moved to the center one spot between Tatar and Gallagher uh, in our most recent setup, while Domi has joined Drouin and uh, Andrew Shaw on what should be a pretty solid and feisty second line. Oddly, though, uh, behind all this uh, good offense, Carey Price continues to struggle a little bit, AJ, with a 307 goals against and an 890 save percentage. Those are both among the worst in his career uh, year to day, uh, career to date. Uh, surprising numbers considering the rest of the team's got it in order. If this team turns it around, though, it could be a surprise contender once uh, Shea Weber returns and he started skating uh, with the club. Boy, I hate uh, to admit that possibility as a Leaf fan. Yeah, I kind of want Montreal to continue to do well all season so that you're forced to say good things about them. <laughs> I know how much how much that hurts you. Um, I, for me, uh, one line that I actually really like is this third line. Uh, Kenny Augustino is, is getting the look right now with Paul Byron and Joel Armia out. Uh, he's got an assist in his two games up playing with Jesper, Jesperi Kot. Kot Kanemi, Very I good. think I said that right, Very good. Uh, who's also got, uh, you know, he's got nine points to start the year. And then Arturi Lekkonen's uh, on the on the right wing there, and he's also got nine points to start the season. So this is a, a really good third line, in my opinion, that's going to give you some really uh, solid value. Uh, they're not going to cost you too much. And, and honestly, Augustino is probably available in most season-long formats. Might be worth taking a look now obviously the concern there is as soon as Armia or Byron is healthy he might get sent back down to the minors but um, for now he might be a stopgap for you if, if you need some help well and Nashville continues to roll along AJ to me this looks like one of the best two teams in hockey again uh, the battles are internal here for positioning Craig Smith has a tenuous grip on the the on a wing spot on the second line after going scoreless in his last four games. Ryan Hartman is a guy who's threatening to take that role after compiling five points in his last five games. Uh, we've been waiting on Kevin Fiala to catch uh, catch fire. Maybe he on, he's on the verge of getting untracked after a poor start. He's got four points in his last five games and is back in the top six role on the left side. Uh, is there any other notes that you think should we should share? Yeah, I just think it's interesting that uh, rather than uh, use uh, an extra forward last night, they they dressed uh, seven defensemen. Anthony Bieto was kind of their fill in there. Now he saw just, you know, like just over six minutes of ice time. So he's not factoring in heavily there, but uh, kind of just an interesting shakeup to the lineup. Victor Arvidsson 
back on injured reserve with with now uh, an upper body injury having been out with a lower body injury prior to that so um a little banged up they're obviously waiting on austin watson to come back his suspension uh is right is set to end just uh, in a few days it looks like the 15th is when he'll be eligible to suit up again so um good already good team uh, in danger of getting better uh with him available in the lineup as well and uh, we're waiting on more news from the nico Heischer situation he uh near the end of a long road trip suffered a bit of an un, undisclosed injury uh, we don't know the details on it and we don't know how long he's going to be out but uh, we'll talk about that aspect more later key player out of the lineup and nobody knows how long it could be i, I don't like hearing that stuff and another lengthy absence will impact that any lengthy absence to him will impact winger taylor hall though he's been held scoreless over the past two games and that's a rarity for him recent call-up brett senny a graduate of Mary Mac College at Northern Massachusetts School. That was for you, AJ. I put a little college <laughs> into there, knowing that you're our college expert. This guy scored his first NHL goal in his last game and is a candidate for a scoring role if he sure lands on the IR for any length of time. On defense, Igor Yakovlev made his NHL de- debut and lines up on the second D pairing this week with Damon Severson. A pretty good Scott, uh, spot for him because Severson is a pretty solid puck-moving defenseman. Yeah, I, I, obviously the big concern here is is Nico Heischer and, and how that shakes everything up. You know, they do have uh, Jean-Sebastien D, who's uh, kind of gotten bounced from the lineup as late of late after having been playing uh, top six minutes on the wing. They've got Drew Stafford, who they signed off a, a professional tryout available as well. Um, but uh, definitely the the biggest concern uh, there and in, in how it impacts i think also a bit of a concern is the fact that Corey schneider has not really looked good in his return uh from injury oh and three in his four outings a 4.18 goals against average over that stretch and really just not getting it done i think at this point it might be safe to say that this is keith kincaid's team um although he has not looked great of late either his most recent outing Granted, it was against your your Leafs in that high-powered offense, but gave up six goals on 32 shots, uh, and that's already the the second time this season that he has given up uh, six or more goals. So there's some concerns between the net as well. And in, in New York, the the Islanders uh, still above 500, but an 0-2 and one record last week. We've talked about a nice one-two punch at center here that surprises me: Matthew Barzal and Brock Nelson have held the fort there but i also want to mention val philpola who's in the third center role he's a good insurance policy here and still showing that he's a capable scorer even in that low part of the lineup he's got eight points in 16 games played and if either one of the top two guys falters he's going to be quickly slipped into that role he's done done well in the past so keep an eye on that situation don't be afraid to plug him in if necessary in addition casey Zeke is at fourth center maybe the best in that role in the league nine points to date so strength down the middle important to the islanders and it's being delivered uh, top to bottom right now as far as far as scoring d-men are concerned though nick letty has fallen off a cliff partner only three points in 16 (laughs) games played no one else has risen up to take that role though scott mayfield has seven points and a plus seven and thomas hickey with two points and a plus ten they've pretty have formed a pretty effective pairing that uh, is more known for the defensive side of the puck Uh, a bit of a surprise development and a positive one for the isles yeah another kind of important note too is is josh bailey's ice time has been really high of late um he's averaging just 
under 18 on the season, but in his last uh, five games, that's up to 1908. He even crossed a 20 minute mark uh, against Montreal uh, and is seeing a ton of time with the power play just under four minutes uh, per game right now. And, and so, yeah, he's, he's seeing a ton of ice and he's rewarding the team with points. He's got five points in his last five games uh, and is definitely going to continue to lead uh, this team uh, from the, in terms of uh, wing production. That's for sure. Well, and last night the Rangers won a game and uh, Lundqvist moved up to tie Jacques Plant in w- career wins. Uh, he's moving up that ladder. I didn't think he'd move up quickly this year, but he's picked up six wins already this season and looked good in the last few games behind a defense that's getting in our act together. Bad news up front, though. Pavel Buknevich out four to six weeks with a broken thumb. On the flip side, Matt Zuccarello looks like he'll return to the lineup later this week, and he's a DFS uh, player worthy of note uh, with these injuries though Brian Spooner looks like he's going to get a shot at a right wing one, uh, spot on the first line and he's uh, he's moved up and down lineups throughout his career and uh, not a bad option to plug in there he's got a lot of skill and he has a chance to show it uh, as uh, the onus is now on him to deliver the goods but like I said the most positive developments here continue to be on the blue line uh, it's a young core we talked about Neil Pionk in the past and Brady Shea but now I want to talk about Anthony D'Angelo, who has five points in his last seven games. Uh, the, this trio is a pretty good-looking core and uh, puts a smile on, on Lundqvist's face. That I don't think he saw this development coming. I sure didn't. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think Lundqvist was expecting to be uh, in for a rough season this year. You know, the team has mentioned uh, last season that they're, they're in a rebuilding mode and, and Clearly, at this point, Henrik Lundqvist has not gotten the memo on that one. And I think he's single-handedly going to force this team to make the playoffs uh, and honestly hurt their rebuild by not making them uh, uh, in the draft lottery this season. Uh, I am a little surprised that Jasper Fast isn't getting a look on that top, uh, top line instead of Ryan Spooner. Uh, I would be interested to see how he would slot in with those guys. I, I think it would be a good opportunity for them. And honestly, I think it would be a better choice for a team that, that is looking more long-term. Uh, I think Ryan Spooner is probably more of a, a, a short-term uh, option for them. But if they get Max Zuccarella back, it's it's kind of a non-factor. So uh, really, it's it's not going to matter much. <laughs> In Ottawa, I didn't think this team was going to matter much all season long, but they're hanging around the 500 mark despite a ton of bad press and bad off-ice stuff. Uh, we should be more impressed with the fact that Matt Duchesne is scoring at a career-best rate so far this year, and nobody's talking about that, AJ. Uh, Mark Stone continues also to be an all-star caliber right wing, and that makes an underrated Ryan Zingle a valuable pick on the left side of that line. He's got four goals and one assist in that left-wing sp- number one spot, so I think he's a sneaky good value value when Ottawa lines up and plays as long as he's got that plum position. Another guy who's uh, firing on all cylinders is rookie Brady Tuchuk. He is going to make it a battle with that kid in Vancouver for the rookie of the year honors that could be worth watching all season long. He picked up two points in three games after coming back from his stint on the injury list. Well, and those injuries have forced them to to make some uh, call-ups, and and they're it looks like they're going to give Drake Batherson uh, a look in that fourth line center spot, uh, especially if Colin White is unable to go. They've got Zach Smith and and Jean Pe- Gabriel Pajot are both still sidelined, uh, and Batherson has 20 points in 14 games. 
uh, with the Belleville Senators so far this season, uh, a product of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Uh, definitely has has some scoring pedigree there. Not a lights out, you know, hundred point guy in his seasons there, but uh, definitely a point per game producer. And so, though, looks like they're going to give him a look and, and see what he can bring to the table. In Philadelphia, they're above five hundred, and uh, they're going to get good news this week with the return of JVR, who's been out since the second game of the year. That's a positive development for this offense. Uh, but I want to look at their defense. Uh, when you think of this team's blue line, the first two names that come up are, are come to mind are Shane Gossesbear and Ivan Provorov. But a third name is emerging, and that's Robert Hogg, who is on the top pairing and has a plus 10 rating to go with lo- along with seven points in 17 games played. That's uh, another positive development here uh, in terms of the evolution of the blue line. They're going to have to be good, though, because... We talk about it every week. The goaltending is in flux. Uh, But for one week anyway, Brian Elliott got it done. Solid in goal, turning aside all 49 shots over his two appearances. One shutout and one stellar relief appearance. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, how this, you know, group kind of uh, shakes up and, and what they decide to do. If Michael Newverth gets healthy at some point, uh, it's it's definitely uh, not a it doesn't seem like a guarantee that he will actually get healthy. Uh, and one player that I know they were, had high hopes for it just hasn't panned out so far as Nicholas uh, Abu Kibo. I probably botched that, admittedly. But I think it's important to note that his ice time has been uh, just about five and a half minutes per game. So he's really not getting an opportunity to show uh, what he has. I imagine with JVR coming back, he could be sent back down to the minors. Obviously, Michael Raffle uh, could return at some point uh, down the road later in the month. And so that'll be a factor as well here. And over in Pittsburgh, your favorite club has followed a previous formula, AJ, as they've split their top three forwards back onto three separate lines. In the ensuing roster shuffle, I'll be watching for Brian Rust on the captain's right wing, while Patrick Hornquist moves to Malkin's right side. Uh, The third liner of note, Riley Sheehan at center ice. He's been rejuvenated since taking on that role in Pittsburgh, though he's only been limited to to two points, but now he'll be working with Phil Kessel, and I bet you that point total improves dramatically i'll say keep an eye on the three sidekicks in these cases because they're playing with some pretty big uh, big time players and the puck will be around them uh, more often than they're used to in the nets casey DeSmith has thoroughly outplayed matt murray in my mind in goal and he's getting more crease time in recent games i wonder if that's going to get into murray's head and uh, could be a concern down the road I mean, something needs to get into Murray's head because he's looked downright awful this season. So hopefully it, you know, maybe it jumpstarts him. Uh, DeSmith has taken each of the last two games and played pretty decently. Uh, you know, while Murray in his last four is 0-3 and one with a 4.65 goals against average, uh, it's just simply not good enough. Uh, and especially on a team that has, you know, championship aspirations every year. Uh, you know, Murray just has not been able to put it together uh, in the regular season. Now he's been hampered by injuries, but uh, so far it's not looking good on, on his long-term outlook here. Derek Broussard, hopefully going to be back soon. Uh, sounds like he's going to practice this week. So that'll maybe have him back in games uh, sometime next week. And everything that I'm hearing uh, seems to indicate that Daniel Sprong, Uh, should probably pack his bags now and have him on standby. Uh, Sounds like he's going to get traded at some point. You know, Jim Rutherford is not a a general manager to sit idly by and watch a team struggle like this. Somebody is going to get sent out, uh, and Sprong seems to be the leading candidate. 
In San Jose, this team continues to roll along above, well above the 500 mark, but their depth down the middle is being challenged. We apparently foreshadowed a bit of a move uh, as Joe Pavelski is now the number one cent line center in light of limited production from Joe Thornton, who has only four points in nine games played. Pavelski has five points in his last five outings, and uh, that's also uh, been good news for Junas Donskoy, part of that new top line, picking up two points and playing over three minutes more than he has year to date uh, in his first to try in that situation. So look for him to get a, a nice run uh, on the first line. Logan Couture is uh, scoring at an average of a point per game pace, but he uh, is another guy who is sidelined but by another one of those mysterious undisclosed injuries. More info should be available soon, AJ, and that department the the big development though is dropping thornton to a third line role i think that's the first time jumbo joe's been a third liner in a long long time and uh might give him an opportunity to just try to get his game in order before they move him back up yeah i'm a little surprised that we haven't seen more of of aaron dell this season you know he was really good last year uh and and two years before that had some decent numbers but has played just five games so far this season now obviously part of that factors in uh to the fact that he's oh two and two uh in those four appearances with a 0.896 save percentage so really uh not performing as well as he has in the past but i am a little surprised that he hasn't seen more work uh over you know marty jones is obviously the starter here there's no question about that um, but i did expect dell to maybe see a few more starts but everything seems to be pointing to jones uh, once again hitting that 60 game played threshold he's done that in each of the past three seasons and seems set for another one this year the st louis blues treading water despite what i think is a pretty good lineup here aj so they were two and one last week Braden Shen is expected to be back in his top six center role, and that's bad news for Rob Thomas, but good news for the Blues, I think, as they get one of their signatures players back in the role in the fold. Thomas, for his part, has been limited to only four assists in 11 games played, much of that time with top six minutes. An interesting development for me, though, is a, is a unit on the third line where Nikita Soshnikov joins an all, all ex-Leafs forward unit alongside uh, Tyler Bozak and Alex Steen. That should be a good spot for the young speedster. He's got a lot of offensive skill, just hasn't shown it yet at the NHL level. But I saw enough of him at the AHL to think that he has some chance to be a scorer in this league. It's also notable to me that Patrick Maroon, a Missouri native who had no points and seven assists, in 13 games and is now getting time in the press box after his much ballyhooed signing as uh, a local boy coming home in the offseason it's been a dreadful start for a guy who's probably put a lot of pressure on himself in in st louis yeah i'm really surprised to see how honestly how how rough the start of the season has been for maroon uh, obviously the hope is that maybe moving him to the press box for a few games will help him you know find find his game you know, we talked about Jake Allen's struggles and, and kind of I called for, for Chad Johnson to see some more looks while well, he's played in each of the last three games. He's gotten the start. He's uh, two and one uh, during that stretch with a, a decent, uh, you know, one point three, four goals against average. So uh, <laughs> definitely performing well. Now, his most recent outing was a loss. Uh, to Minnesota in which he gave up three goals on just 18 shots um, but prior to that had a 33 save shutout had a 38 save one goal allowed outing against Carolina so 
seems to have taken over Allen at least in the short term. Whether he holds on to that, uh, you know, long term here, we'll have to wait and see. And a team that's uh, going to look good long term is the Tampa Lightning. AJ, they're twelve four and one on the season, two and one last week. I wonder if we should have made our dollar bet about the top two lines in this this team. Few observe <laughs> few observers would have anticipated that Yanni Gordon, Braden Point would outscore Stamkos and Kucherov year to date. It's thirty six to thirty three for the second liners over the first liners though so far. The best team in hockey, in my opinion, got their top D man back. Uh, that's Victor Hedman, and he scored a goal in his first game back while logging his usual 22 plus minutes per game he was a minus two but we promise he'll get better fast play him in all formats yeah and i think the unfortunate news uh you know it's going to work out well for jt miller and yanni gord but andre palat is going to be out for another four weeks uh due to his lower body injury so that pushes him back until early december uh and so that'll definitely be a factor he had five assists through the first nine games no goals um, but was definitely contributing to those assists coming on the power play and so it was uh, i think going to be a, a big factor for them in a top six role for much of the season in fact i think he was probably slated to play with stamkos and kucherov over jt miller there so uh, they'll lose him for a while sounds like anton stroman will be back soon um, so they're getting healthy on the blue line as well and and this is a club that you know projects to to be a contender for the the president's trophy at the end of the year aj if you would have told me my team would have been missing two-thirds of their top line for a good chunk of the early going i'd be shocked uh, if you told me again that they'd be 11 and 6 at this point but that's exactly where the leafs find themselves they're in fact three and two without austin matthews and uh, of course willie nylander lenders holding out since the beginning of the season i've had a lot to say about the club's top six uh, players all year long uh, but last week, a third scoring line showed up for the first time this season. Andreas Johnson, who was last year's AHL playoff MVP, put together three solid games along with Par Lindholm and Connor Brown, who also uh, played well. This unit combined for six points, so that's pretty good for them to get that kind of secondary scoring from the, the seven, eight, and nine guys in their forward ranks. Ron Hainsey, a defensive defenseman of note, has looked a little slower to some, but the veteran D-man has already added eight points and a plus nine. I think that has a lot to do with the great fit that he's enjoying with the highest scoring D-man in the league, and that's Morgan Riley. Well, we talk about the this kind of, si- as you've termed it, the sidekick theory uh, with a lot of guys. And, and Kasperi Kapanen is a player we talked about a ton at the start of the season. Uh, well, he's goalless in his last six games with just two assists. And that comes, you know, with Matthews being out there. And it just isn't the same. Nazem Kadri obviously is not the same player there. Uh, and so I, I've kind of soured on Kapanen uh, until Austin Matthews comes back. And, and, you know, they do have Patrick Marlowe on the other side. And, and Kadri is a decent kind of depth option. Uh, if you're looking that route, it, it's not a knock on him at all. But, you know, as as everybody would note, he's no Austin Matthews. And, and Kasperi Kapanen has kind of been the, the victim of, of that injury. In Vancouver, a shocking turn of events this season. Uh, this team has been way, way better than expected. They're 1-0-2 in their last three games last week. Further to our note, though, Brock Besser, uh, another guy they're counting on, he joins a lengthy list of players on the IR. Uh, a lot of big names on the, on that team out of the lineup, and they're still well above 500. so a big surprise that they're doing so well, but I wonder if it'll last. This guy's considered week-to-week with a groin injury, but you never know what those groins, A.J., 
as you get older too they take longer to recover from uh, despite that though they have a nice that nice winning record we thought that Elias Patterson was going to be Patterson was going to be good in support of a nice first line but the rookie is uh, is carrying the team right now with nine points in his last seven games the only veteran among this top six as it stands right now is Louis Erickson who we forecast as a key guy last week and he's responded with seven points in his last four games so we say to our listeners you're welcome <laughs> yeah, I mean, Elias Pettersson, his minutes have just been astronomical. I mean, it, it honestly, if you looked just at his minutes, you'd think he was a defenseman. Uh, his last six games, he's played over 22 minutes in three of those, played over 20 minutes in four of those outings, uh, and tons of power play ice time as well. On the year, uh, he's averaging uh, over four minutes per game with the man advantage five of his 17 points so almost a third have come on the power play uh, and so just racking up you know minutes and points really has been the focal point of this offense and Jakob Marstrom has been pretty good in the nets too uh, sitting with a, a 7-4 uh, and two record his goals against average is a little high at 3.15 but uh, I think overall the fact that he could walk away with wins uh, in games when he's given up six goals to Colorado, five goals against Boston, got wins in both of those outings. Uh, and so the you know when he does struggle, his offense is bailing him out. Obviously, getting Anders Nielsen back uh, will factor in you know to how how they shake up that that goaltending tandem. And up next, the Vegas Golden Knights sitting there with a 7-10-1 record prior to last night's action. They were 1-3 and three last week. I wonder if it's time for us to call on our buddy uh, Daniel Negrano to come and explain this team this year. AJ, maybe we have to reach out to them between now and uh, next week's show. We'll tease that and see if we can make it happen. Uh, on the ice, though, Max Pacioretty rejoined the Knights last week but has been blanked in four games since coming off the IR that leaves him with a mere two points now in over 14 in 14 games played that's bust territory folks for a guy who has been a prolific scorer in this league ever since he joined the nhl the good news here though is that a top line of carlson marchiso and riley smith are on a tear of late so that's covering up some of the the struggles of, of patches there unfortunately though it's the defensive side of the puck it's still an issue here and it's reflected in the higher numbers than we're used to seeing for one mark andre fleury uh, I, I kind of push back on that a little bit, the, the higher numbers. Well, <laughs> just just the fact that, you know, higher numbers than, than we're used to seeing. I, I don't think Fleury's playing uh, too dissimilar to his time in Pittsburgh. What What is different is he's not playing as well as he did last season, right. uh, at least at the start here, in what were career numbers playing for the Golden Knights. The thing with his time in Pittsburgh – there's nobody that will tout Marc-Andre Fleury more than me. Um, but the thing is, every once in a while, he'd have a bad night, but he had the offense and guys like Malkin and Crosby to kind of bail him out on those nights. That's, that just isn't the case. And, and I hope Daniel won't get on me for the fact that I'm saying the Golden Knights offense isn't as good as the Penguins offense that <laughs> bolstered uh, Fleury for all those years. Uh, and, and I think what needs to happen is he needs to get back to last season's production. You look at his, his, uh, games right now, he's got, uh, you know, three games in which he's given up four or five or more goals and, uh, another two when he's given up four. And so it just hasn't been quite as good as I think the, the fans there in Vegas got used to last season. Um, but I wouldn't say that his numbers are, are significantly higher than, than what we've seen in the past out of him. I think I just did. <laughs> 
So we're arguing. <laughs> <laughs> the Washington Capitals sit there a game above 500 prior to the action last night. Uh, they're one and two last week. Uh, I'll, I'll say this: Alex Ovechkin's cup hangover was well do- documented in the off season, but it ended as soon as this season began. AJ, he's scoring at a rate that would see him reach the 60 goal plateau for only the second time in his career. Think about that for a sec. Similarly, on the blue line, John Carlson has recorded seven multi-point games on defense so far this season. In the Nets, Braden Holtby has had his best week of the early season last week, allowing a mere six goals and three starts. So three key guys starting to get their act together early here in Washington. And I also want to highlight Matt Niskanen with eight points in 16 games, looking like a solid source of offense once again, uh, hoping to do more than the 29 points he collected last season. He's a guy that I would would expect would touch 40, just like he did a few times earlier in his career. So it could be a good value pickup if he's available in your season-long leagues. Yeah, and I really like the fact that it looks like TJ Oshie is going to play on that that top line with Backstrom and Ovechkin. I, I think that's uh, been kind of an underutilized, uh, you know, lineup option for them. I, I, I think Oshie fits in great there. You know, he's got, he's got speed. Um, he's got a, a really good shot. And I think with all the attention that Ovechkin draws, I think it really would open up the ice for, for a more offensively minded guy there. Now, having said that, I think it's just temporary. I think as soon as Tom Wilson's back, they're going to put him on that first line. They had a ton of success last season with that. Uh, Wilson did travel with the team in the event that his, uh, you know, appeal gets shortened. He's available to slot into the lineup. Uh, he's not eligible to play until after the trip based on the current suspension. So if it gets upheld, I guess no harm, no foul, but he's at least with the team and could quickly slot into the lineup if, if that arbitrator shortens the, uh, the suspension there. And we wind up our look at the 31 teams with the look at the Winnipeg Jets. They're hovering around the top echelons of the NHL. Connor Hallibuck is another goalie who has rebounded from his sluggish start, allowing 10 goals over his last four outings. On defense, Josh Morrissey has eight points and 16, in 16 games from his D position. We've talked about a lot of other defensemen on this team. This guy's not topped the 30-point mar- 30 mark in two prior seasons, but I like his chances this year on a team as he's partnered with Jacob Truba on a pretty nice pairing there with one of the top skilled defensemen in the league, and he's averaging almost 23 minutes a game on this deep team. If there is an issue here, I'm looking for an upgrade over Brian Little as the second-line center, though. He's only got six points and a minus six in 16 games played. Well, back to the sidekick theory on this one. Kyle Connor off the first line. Nikolai Ehlers is up there with Shifley and Wheeler and has three goals in his last three games to show for it. Added an assist in there as well. So uh, definitely a play there. I think what's interesting is that they're spreading out the the scoring options here. You've got Patrick Line technically on what we, you would consider a third line with Adam Lowry and Brandon Tanev. Uh, those certainly are not names uh, that are going to draw the star power like Line will. And I honestly feel like that's probably temporary. They've got Matthew Perot playing with Little and Connor right now. I would expect Line to move up there at some point. Uh, and and don't be surprised to see this team look for a way to add uh, a center option as as you highlighted. You know maybe uh, you know Penguins are looking to make a move. Derek Brassard uh, could slot in immediately as a second line center on this club. So maybe there's there's uh, something to be worked out there once Brassard gets healthy. 
All right, AJ, we got a lot of games on the slate today. It looks like nine of them in tonight's schedule. And we want to talk about FanDuel for a second. Remind our listeners that over two and a half million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. You and I are two of them, and we play it a lot. We hope that our listeners start to take advantage of our special offer, though. For new users, sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. These contests are void pro- prohibited, but you can have fun for as little as a quarter on, on the game nights, and uh, you can win some pretty nice cash prizes. Uh, looking at this nine-game slate, AJ, for me, San Jose and Nashville looks like a dynamite uh, matchup at the tail end of the schedule, but uh, there's some tasty options out here on the menu. Yeah, I actually really kind of want to take a look at Montreal and Edmonton. I think those are two clubs that, uh, you know, are somewhat evenly matched. You get to watch McDavid, but Montreal has been a lot better than they have been most of the season. Uh, And really, I really like watching Buffalo this year and kind of seeing what those young guys can do. Uh, They'll face a tough task uh, with Tampa Bay tonight. So that's another game that I'll be watching. And then obviously Pittsburgh at New Jersey, I think, is a game uh, that more than just me could could enjoy. Uh, The Devils have been a little bit better uh, than I think we thought they would be, although we did highlight some of those uh, goaltending concerns uh, earlier in the show. Yeah, I hope the Leafs haven't had too much fun that they play well tonight in Los Angeles because that's a game they got to get against the league doormats right now. But another good one is the Washington and Minnesota. We've talked about how well the Wild Wild have played uh, from the start of the season. They'll get a good test against the defending cup champs. AJ, Let's take a look at what the Rotowire Optimizer spits out for tonight's contest. Yeah, so uh, I, I do want to point out one kind of interesting uh, thing I saw when when building my lineup tonight. They're giving away a subscription to NHL TV. Uh, so if you're looking for a way to win more or watch more games, uh, you can enter your lineup in that contest. Now, it, you have to come in first in that contest that's <laughs> capped at 300,000 people. So it's a tough ask uh, to get there, but uh, definitely a contest worth entering. It's free. You get a chance to kind of try out, uh, you know, DFS hockey without uh, having to put any money in if, if you know, you haven't before. So uh, there's an option for you. Now, in terms of the optimizer tonight, uh, a big kind of interesting uh, take here. The optimizer is uh, looking at a, a New Jersey stack tonight. So it starts off with Nico Heischer against Pittsburgh for 5,800. Obviously, that's contingent on him being in the lineup. No guarantees there right now. Uh, Casey Middlestat, the other center option for just 3,900. And so really finding some value plays uh, at the center position with the optimizer. The money gets spent on Taylor Hall and Kyle Palmieri. For uh, the Devils, they're at 7,500 and 6,300, respectively. The optimizer also likes Evander Kane at 6,300. Uh, so then the the kind of uh, depth option at wing is Marcus Johansson, second liner, second power play unit, 3,400. That seems really low for a player of his caliber, but the numbers haven't uh, been there quite as well. Uh, the optimizer is also going uh, a pretty heavy uh, San Jose stack. I mentioned Evander Kane. Well, it's going with both Brent Burns and Eric Carlson tonight at 7,200 and 6,000, spending up big there. And then Marty Jones in the net at 8,400. Uh, I'm not sure I like that play going up against the Nashville offense, but uh, I, I certainly have been wrong before. I will counter AJ with a different look. I didn't purposely didn't share my my team with you in our script. Uh, I'm I'm highlighting the fact that I went cheap at center, but I got two first liners still. And Matthew Barzal of the Islanders facing a Vancouver team that's that's really banged up offensively. So I'm 
thinking that Barzal will find his way into some really good matchups there. He's played very well of late for the Islanders. And uh, I'll pair him with Derek Stepan. I highlighted him in our thumbnail about the, the Coyotes. He's been a, a guy who's found the net four times in the last seven games. And I think against a Detroit team that's not one of the stronger defensive clubs in the league, he gets a great chance. Maybe even shorthanded tonight against them, the way they're scoring. <laughs> and then on the wings, I start with, uh, uh, to pick on the, pick up on the side to kick theory, Evgeny Dadanov playing top six minutes there with some pretty good players. $6,700 a price tag. He's on an 11-game point streak right now and he faces a, a Philadelphia goaltending situation that, that's been murky at best all season long. Ryan Nugent Hopkins playing on the wing with Connor McDavid for $6,400. Yes, please. Tyler Johnson, a guy who uh, lights it up for the Tampa Lightning uh, quite regularly. $5,600 is his price tag, so pretty good fit there. Thomas Hurdle is a guy that I like uh, in the San Jose mix, playing top six minutes there, and a key guy on their power play, also cheap at $5,500. I went in, uh, in a cheap range here, AJ, but I got some good value in terms of first and second liners right across the board in, in the forward positions. That afforded me to go uh, a chance to go a little bit higher on defense. I did so with Shane Gostisbehere of the Flyers, $5,800 his price tag. I pair him with Oscar Clefbaum, who's had a nice start to his season in Edmonton, and I think uh, they'll take advantage of a shaky Montreal goaltending situation tonight. Uh, the goaltending situation has been anything but shaky in Toronto with Fed Frederick Anderson among the league leaders. The Leafs, uh, one of the top teams in goals against. I haven't been able to say that for an awfully long time. And uh, the high-octane offense, uh, a tough match for the LA Kings tonight, so I like the the win probability for the visitors and Freddie Anderson this evening. What's your lineup look like, partner? Uh, so I went uh, kind of double stack tonight, uh, and it, it's uh, definitely a GPP option, and this is not a lineup that I would enter uh, in your cash games, your 50-50s, uh, so it is a bit high risk, high reward, but I'm actually going to go the opposite side of that uh, that. Florida uh, Philadelphia matchup and I'm going to start off with Sean Couturier at 6200 and I'm going to pair him with the rest of that first line you got Claude Giroux wow. at 7400 and Travis Konechny at just 4800 Konechny being the real cheap option you're paying less than 5000 for a top line guy uh, and then I'm going to go Montreal. Uh, we talked about kind of the goaltending uh, problems in Edmonton. So I'll go with uh, Deneau at 4,800, super cheap for his first line center, and then go with both of his wingers, uh, Brendan Gallagher, uh, 6,700, and Thomas Tatar at 5,800. I think Tatar has been underpriced for much of the season, and I've used him a bunch. Uh, and so uh, defensively, I've got Mike Green, uh, 50, uh, 4,500 for a guy who's been uh, producing pretty steadily in that top uh, minute role. He's going up against Arizona. I mentioned that I don't uh, love the fact that it'll probably be uh, uh, Darcy Kemper starting for them. Morgan Riley, your guy going up against the, uh, the Kings. You talked about all the reasons to, to go with Toronto tonight. He's 6,100, a good value there. Uh, and then I also am going to use Freddie Anderson between the pipes. Uh, I love the matchup. The shot total uh, against the Kings could be a little bit low, uh, but I think overall, uh, I think he's the best netminder out there tonight and comes in relatively cheap at 8,700. 
All right, let's turn our attention now to the stud of the week. This was an easy pick when you looked at the standings and the stats over the last uh, seven days, but this guy's been doing it since the season started. I'm talking about David Pasternak. Five goals and two assists in three games last week. 16 goals, seven assists in 17 games. He's got four more goals than any other player so far in the NHL and a whopping 10 power play points as well. So a DFS stud, and he's helping you uh, in your season-long leagues, I'm sure, if you have him. He's headed for a career-best season, partner. He's never topped 35 goals in his young career, going in the 30s twice, in the low 30s, but he's going to smash through that, maybe even uh, soon after the All-Star break if he keeps this up. But it's the cap hit that that excites me about his his whole uh, profile. $6.6 million through the 22-23 season. This is a 22-year-old forward who they've got locked up for the next four years after this one. He's giving them great value already, and I think he's just scratching the surface of what kind of a player he is. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think he, uh, you know, kind of has definitely avoided that sophomore slump. Uh, I think he's on, you know, he's on target to, to break the 43 points he had last season should top his 16 goals. I expect him to for sure be a 20 goal scorer this year uh, and could challenge for 50, 60 points. He's got a challenge for 100 points, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Coach uh, and management secrecy uh, highlights my talk in the rant of the week, AJ. Uh, the media and fans deserve more. And, and in light of the agreement that the, the league has struck with companies like FanDuel in place, there's lots of interest in uh, knowing the status of players. We're just not getting good information. I highlighted that, and you did too, in a couple of players that we talked about here. I want to know what's up with injured players. I want to know what's up with starting goalies well before puck drop in order to make my picks and my decisions. The NHL's got agreements in place here. It's time for the Hall of Fame commissioner to open the doors on all this stuff and open the lid on all this secrecy. It's time to share with the fans. Yeah, I tend to agree. You know, there is something kind of almost nostalgic in a hockey sense with the upper body versus lower body. Uh, it's, it's such a broad term. Uh, in fact, I, I heard a couple of coaches last year describe mid body injuries. Uh, you know, so not really sure what that means, uh, overall, but I do think, uh, it is good to know, obviously from, from a, from a betting standpoint, a, a DFS standpoint. Uh, and so, it would be nice to get a little bit more information uh, at minimum. I just, I think I would prefer a little more openness in terms of uh, not using undisclosed. I, I if they want to stick to the upper body, lower body, I, I guess that's fine. I can live with that, but the undisclosed and not really giving a, a timeline for recovery and it. And I'll talk about the penguins in this sense, you know, Derek Brassard didn't skate for almost two weeks uh, with an injury that they just didn't talk about. They, they kind of identified where it was, put him on IR. Um, but they, they never really mentioned a, a timeline for his recovery or, or when he might be back. And, you know, f- so for a while it looked like, you know, if I'm in a season long league and I had Broussard, it's like, well, do I hold on to him? You know, it's a lower body injury. They haven't said that, you know, he's out X number of weeks, uh, even yesterday, you know, they said, oh, he's going to practice soon. He's making significant progress. What is significant progress? I don't really get what that is. And so um, I, I definitely think at least if they want to stick with upper body, lower body, sure, fine. Uh, I can live with that. But at least a little more uh, openness about are, are we looking at a two week absence? Are we looking at a one week absence? You know, what, what 
where are we? How, how long can I expect this guy to be out? Well said, partner. And I think that's a good place for us to close out this week. That wraps up this episode of PuckCast with Satsman and AJ, folks. Please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. And you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. As always, we invite you to listen in to PuckCast to get your tips, our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody. 